I want to thank Brian, um, and you may want to thank him too, because he just gave my entire message. Um, even used the same example that I was going to use, so we can go home. Exactly, we can go eat some tacos. Uh, if you guys want to knock off early here. Um, well, a similar example, although really completely the opposite. Uh, he was talking about, Brian was talking about the necessity of, or, or the fact that he goes to the doctor, you know, once a year and gets a checkup. Well, I have recently been told by my wife that now is the time when I need to start going to the doctor once a year to get a checkup. Apparently, that is a thing. Uh, and you just show up. Uh, and the other thing I found out, true story, sometimes people actually have a doctor and that's their doctor. I thought you just went to any doctor. But they have like family doctors and things like that that go with you through life. I didn't know that. But that's the way it works. And she said, yes, she even gave me the name of somebody that's apparently our doctor. I didn't know that. But that's what I'm going to start doing. Because that's the time, that's, I guess that's the time of life I'm in. She, don't go, don't go. Well, she said once, she said, you know, people do this all the time. And I said, no, they don't. I had a leg to stand on until this morning. <laughs> One of our wise elders of this church said, hey, look, I go to the doctor. My wife, first service, is sitting over there with her arms crossed, just nodding. So I guess that's what I'm doing. But it is important. Here's why. Here's why. There's a lot of things that can happen to us, and we don't know they're happening to us. There's a lot of bad stuff that can happen in our life. Now, granted, we were talking about that physically, but there's a lot of bad things that can happen so gradually, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally that we don't even know it's happening. And there are many times when we need the doctor, the great physician, right, to look at our hearts, our lives, our minds, and sort of be shaken up by that. Say, let's focus in on some of these things. And we get to going through life thinking everything's perfectly fine because on the surface or on the outside, we feel fine or we look fine, right? You're wondering why does the perfect physical specimen need to go to the doctor, right? I know you're wondering that. And, and on the outside or maybe just that day, you know, we feel fine. But the truth is there's a lot of things happening on the inside we can maybe look at a piece of fruit, and you've probably done this before. You probably experienced, had some of these rude awakenings before. On the outside of the apple looks pretty good. You take one bite, and you, you find the worm inside, right? Well, finding the worm inside is, is perfectly fine. What do you not want to find? Half a worm. That's right. You don't want to find half a worm. But you can look at the sort of the rot, kind of the decay that's on the inside, even though the outside looks perfectly fine. We get lulled into this complacency, complacency, and, and we can eventually one day wake up and it's too late. It's too late because we've wasted the time, we've wasted the opportunity, and we've fallen into the trap of complacency. 
throughout Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, but, but heavily in the New Testament in particular, God hates complacency. He hates complacency and apathy, which are closely related. Either I'm perfectly fine and I'm not going to move and I'm not going to do anything, or I don't care. That's apathy, right? And, and those two things are closely, closely related. And time after time, he, see, he yells, essentially. We're going to see this today in Amos. He's yelling at people who are complacent because, frankly, they look pretty healthy. On the outside, they look pretty healthy. Truth is, they're not healthy at all. They're dying, they're rotting, de- decaying. And not only that, it's spreading to others. And so God's going to cut them off, cut them off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you have given us uh, to read your word, to study, and, and to be convicted, Father. We thank you that you give us a challenge, that you help us to look at our own life, look at our own actions, our, our, the result of our saved life, and to know that that life is used well to glorify Jesus. Help us, Father, to be convicted today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Amos. This is going to be our second week in Amos. This will be our last week. We're going through Amos rather quickly. Um, and we're coming down to the end of our Minor Prophet series. Now, there's a few that we have not talked about. There's a few we haven't put in there yet. Um, and we'll do that at a later date. We are going to go through a little bit of, of Hosea later on. Um, but we're getting near to the end of it as we go into, here in about another month, uh, we'll go into our Christmas, um, our Christmas series. Amos chapter 6, though, is where we begin today. We're going to jump from 6 to 7 to 8 to 9, and it's going to be fairly quick. I've read through it, so just trust me on this. I know what I'm talking about. You can read through it, too, okay? Amos chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. So now this prophecy, instead of just being to the northern kingdoms, now we're seeing this part of the prophecy to both, both kingdoms, both, tri- or both sections of this country, the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, the, the, that's what Zion would be. Zion would be the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom would be Mount Samaria. So now he's talking to both. He's talking to all the Israelite people. It's not two separate groups, although it is. It does look like on a map as two separate groups, but it's one group of people, descendants of Abraham. He says, he's talking to both of them here. He says, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Kauna and look at it. Go from there to Hamath and go from there down to Gath and to Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? Look, you put off the day of disaster. In other words, you're walking through here, through this blind. You think you're doing fine. You're not addressing the issues in your life. You're putting off. You're ignoring a day of disaster. You're putting off a day of disaster, and you're bringing near a reign of terror. You lie on beds adorned with ivory. You lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. You don't weep for your sins. You're not convicted. You're not hurt in the heart. 
On the outside, you live what the, in, these, in these beautiful, this ivory lounge. But on the inside, you're filled with decay and you don't even care. You're becoming complacent. Again, I told you, I think last week, maybe the week before, you can read through the news feed. And inevitably, someone comes on there and says, here's the secret or the seven secrets, whatever it is, to the successful life. And you just got to keep going because every time they have a wrong definition of what success actually is. This is what these people, these Israelites are thinking, look, we're doing fine. And God says, no, you're not. You're in a bad way. You're in horrible shape. It just seems like you're doing fine, and you're becoming complacent with life. At this point, you're just existing. Now, you may be asking yourself, why do I need to listen to any of this? Matter of fact, I think a lot of people ask themselves that when they look at the Old Testament, even when they look at um, the Old Testament prophecies. Why do I need to listen to it? Why do I need to hear about judgment in my life? How or why should I even respond And I don't even know why I should be convicted by this, because here's the point. I have given my life to Jesus. I profess the name of Jesus. Why do I need to listen to this kind of stuff in the Old Testament? That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. We profess the name of Jesus. 2,000 years goes by, and we become complacent as a group, as a body, as an individual, as a church, as as a global church, we become complacent. We think everything's going along well. We must be going in the right direction. Oftentimes, you're going in the wrong direction, especially if the world agrees with whatever you're doing. We become complacent. Time after time throughout Scripture, bearing fruit is talked about. It's addressed a lot in the New Testament, over and over and over again. Bearing fruit. And it's not an exhaustive list. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control is not an exhaustive list. All right, That's just some examples that Paul uses as fruits of the Spirit. There's a lot of fruit that we can bear, that we can provide because of our salvation in Jesus. And we need to make sure, we need to actually look at our lives and see if they're bearing fruit. Because at no point... Does God forget? At no point does he lower his standards. This is what he's telling the Israelites. We need to make our bodies living sacrifices. In that previous passage, he's telling the Israelites basically to look at the surrounding nations around them and how they did not escape God's judgment or they did not escape God's correction. They didn't escape God's wrath or anything like that. And then he turns to the Israelite people themselves and he says, Do you think I lower my righteous standard just because it's you? Do you think I lower my holy standard just because you believe in Jesus? Do you think I've forgotten about it? I hold you not only, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Not only to the standard of the person who doesn't know Jesus, a higher standard. Because you know who Christ is. Do we take that seriously? Is there fruit Or is there an axe coming at the root? Do you bear fruit with your life? You claim my name. 
and you care not about the condition of your heart, you care not about the work of your hands, you care not about the mind, and they become complacent. So if we're saved by Jesus, should we care about such things? And according to Jesus, absolutely we should care about these types of things. There are multiple examples, multiple examples of God's hatred of complacency, hatred of apathy in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is just a few. I'm only going to read a few here, but if you go through, you're going to find a ton of these things in the New Testament. You and I live in the New Testament age. You know, the prophets and the prophecies were written for us, but not to us. They were written to these Israelite nations. But this, now we live in the New Testament age, we see the same message given to you and me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, God through Paul. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. Everybody's running. Everybody's living life, people. Everybody you come in contact with. And not only are they living life, they're created just as you are in the image of God. So there's going to be some sparks of beauty and good inside of them too. Even the tyrant is going to have that something, that leftover, that echo of God in his life. Look, everybody's running. What makes you different? The race of life, the race of working through this life and figuring this life out, but only one receives the prize. Run that you may obtain it. The prize is Jesus Christ himself. But that doesn't keep us from running such that we are obtaining that prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, but they do it to receive a perishable wreath we, an imperishable wreath or an imperishable reward. So I don't run, writes Paul. This is him talking about himself now. I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is a focus on his life, his mind, his heart, his actions. He's disciplined. And he's bearing fruit. He's a, he's a gardener, and he's a good one. Well, this is what Amos was, right? He, he raised sheep, and he raised sycamore trees. He knew what it was to have some sort of fruit from the land. And he says, we need to bear fruit as well. Again, from God through Paul, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of his mercy, not to earn His mercy, but because His mercy is already poured out upon you. Because you're saved by Jesus, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's fruit. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the fruit that we are supposed to provide. Now, what does it look like? Well, primarily, it looks like loving God and loving others. Thank you very much, Brian. You could have written this for me. You really could have. I mean, I think we're all in agreement I do it much better, but still. <laughs> um, loving God and loving others. How you treat others, how you talk to others, how you're patient with others, how you're humble before others. This is what that fruit looks like. That's just part of the fruit. And now we get into things like 
exploring and showing and telling people about who and what Christ is. And by the way, most people, when they're introduced to Christ, they want you to show them who He is before you tell them about Him. Show me who He is. Show me what He's like. Show me what He does. Show me who Christ is. And you and I can do that. That's the fruit that we bear. He's kind. He's patient. He's loving. He does not tolerate sin in your own life and does not condone sin in the lives of others. But still sacrificial. Still ready to lay down His life for the object of His love. That's you and me. Life every day. People want you to show me Jesus and then you can tell me about Him. That's your job. That's the fruit bearer to show them what Jesus is and a great deal of patience and a great deal of self-sacrifice. Urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let me ask you, anybody miss out on worship? I'm just, I wonder how many times we miss out on worshiping God. I wonder how many times, how many days, weeks, months, years we have gone without worshiping God. And I don't care how many songs we sing in this room. How many times do we miss out? How long has it been since we've had the moment where we can sacrifice who and what we are for the glory of Jesus? Because that's what these moments of bearing fruit are. They're moment after moment after moment. If you think you got to live at 100 miles an hour every time, always thinking only about the picture of Jesus on the cross, it's going to get pretty burdensome for you. You're going to realize, I can't do this. I can't wake up every day and run 100 miles an hour all the time. You're right. It's every moment you get to experience. In fact, Paul's going to tell us, every, as you are given opportunity to show love to one another, it's the next conversation you're going to have. How do I glorify Christ right here, right now? What about yesterday? What about tomorrow? Who cares about that right here, right now? How am I going to act? How am I going to react and bring glory and honor to Jesus? By the way, sometimes you give some good fruit to people and they don't like it, right? Sometimes you give some, we give, we give, we give Sam dinner all the time and I, I don't think he's eaten dinner in nine years. Kid just, he gets half. It's good food. It's good. Taco night is it's it's my favorite night too. Sometimes you give good fruit to people and they don't like it. Give it to them anyway, right? It's not your job. Withhold the fruit, the love of Jesus Christ. It's not your job. Withhold the character of Christ in somebody's life. If they send it back to you, that's fine. But we get the chance to show that fruit, show that love, and show that life of Jesus that goes through us into the lives of others. So we're going to be able to do this. It's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of this world is look out for number one. But what do we know? We know we're not number one. We're not number one. Again, that we fall into that trap of thinking that we are the main character of our story, and we are not the main character of our story. I don't even know if we're the next main character of our story. We're just supporting cast. That's what we ought to be, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You ever wonder what the fruit actually is? Because it's not a specific list of things. But you ever wonder if you are showing, if you are cultivating good fruit in your life? Sometimes we wonder about the will of God. What does He want? What does He not want? How is He leading me? How is He directing me? What's He saying? What's He not saying? What's He allowing? What is He not allowing? So on and so forth. And it's hard for us to determine the will of God. Well, let me ask you this. Have you just started out with humble obedience? Start out with humble obedience in what you know. This is what Paul say. Make yourself a living sacrifice in the moment to glorify Jesus. And then you're going to be able to understand what God's will is for you in your life. After all, he's the main character. You're not. He's the one that sustains your very life, created you. He's the artist that made you the masterpiece. And the masterpiece is there to bring beauty and honor and glory to the artist. That's what you are, a masterpiece. Beautiful, created by name to bring glory to the artist. We'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. From the very mouth of Jesus, again, we're talking about this hatred of complacency, this hatred of apathy, Revelation 2, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. Now imagine if Jesus is just talking to you personally, because this is His word for you. So there's nothing wrong with thinking Jesus is talking to you personally right here. All right? Imagine this. He's talking to Ephesus. He writes this. I know your deeds in verse 2. I know your hard work and I know your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Well, it sounds to me like they're not struggling with complacency. It sounds to me like they're not struggling with apathy. No, they are because they've gotten so involved in those things, thinking that, that those things make them right, that those things are the things to focus on. They've forgotten about Jesus himself. He says this in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. How many times have we accepted Jesus and been filled with enthusiasm, but we lacked some knowledge? And then as we went through life, we gain knowledge and lose enthusiasm. How many times have, do you gain knowledge? People tell me about their 20 years following Jesus. You know what? You're condemning yourself by talking like that. You better be growing. If you're going to talk to me about your 20 years following Jesus or 60 years sitting in these pews, boy, you better be up here teaching if you're going to be saying that stuff. Don't, don't condemn yourself. We we are filled with enthusiasm. And then it goes away sometime. And someday we just think it's not worth our time. And we become so complacent. Just filled with I don't care. I've punched my card and I'm going to just exist. The church is never meant to, to accept Christ and then just exist. That's never your calling. Your calling is to live. To live. Majority of people that exist or ever existed never know what it is to live. And you get that. To live fully and completely in the kingdom of God now and forevermore. You and I get to live. We get to 
walk into the temple and flip the tables upside down. You're right. You're probably going to make a few enemies in the process, but at least you're going to live. Bringing honor to Jesus Christ. Don't flip tables upside down in here. I'll tell you what, if we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, if we're teaching something we shouldn't be teaching, flip the tables upside down. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But first, let me know. Just say, hey, look, I think you're teaching something wrong. Maybe we could settle it that way first, right? But still, we need to hold ourselves to that standard and certainly our teachers to that standard. He says, you've forgotten your first love. Consider how far you've fallen in verse 5. Repent. Do the things you did at first. You, you, you've become complacent. Do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'm going to remove this church. Galatians 6, again, the fact that God just hates complacency. He hates this stuff. Galatians chapter 6, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh is going to reap destruction, but whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit is going to reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reach a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, here we go now, these moments that we have, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your co-workers, whether it's with another brother and sister here in the church, when you get up after we're done here and you leave and you have conversation, whether it's with a brother and sister in church, a, a co-worker, whether a, a stranger, an enemy is a moment you're going to have. All right? Look what Paul says. He says something really good. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, as these moments come, right, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, all people, especially those, let's start there, especially those who are brothers and sisters or who belong to the family of believers. This is the fruit of Christ coming out of you to other people, for other people. Very same thing Brian was talking about earlier. This love that we show to others. And again, it, doesn't make, it can be an enemy and we can still show the fruit of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, courage, education, humility, whatever it is. The same types of things Jesus does. Strength. How many times does he show strength? When others don't have strength. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That's a fruit that we can show to. And that might be your role. And you might provide and produce a wonderful crop. But we are held to a standard of holiness and righteousness, a result of accepting Jesus. And that bar never gets lowered, ever. The closer we come to Christ, the more we know, we understand about Him, that bar goes up and up, and up, and up. It's not earning salvation, but Jesus says, this is how I want you to live life. Because you profess my name. Finally, one that really cuts the heart. So, uh, this is by no means the end of all these passages about complacency. Revelation chapter 3, to the angel of the church Laodicea. 
right? These are the words of the all men, the faithful and true witnesses, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. You've heard this before, that you're neither cold nor hot. Complacency, God hates it. Just sitting there, just existing. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He says, you're actually making me sick to my stomach because you're not doing anything with this saved life in this kingdom that you claim. Maybe you start small, right? Maybe you start, we've got an apple tree at home. We need more, but we, I just start, we put in another one and a plum tree. Plum tree died like the day I put it in. But the apple tree is still, still kicking. And it only had like two apples on it, okay? And once we get more apple trees, it'll have more apples and so forth. But it starts small. It starts just a little bit. Fell off the other day. I hit it with the mower. I brought it inside, though. So it's sitting on the counter so Ashley can see the apple there. You know, but it starts small. Maybe your fruit starts small, but that's okay, right? We, we were still excited about the fruit, even though it was small. So we get this opportunity to actually live out what we profess. He says, I'm going about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I love, look at verse 17, because we get so comfortable. You, this is the very same thing he was talking to Israel about. You say, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's why I wanted to bring up going to the physician, even though it doesn't look like or doesn't even feel like there's anything wrong. Sometimes we need to put ourselves in front of the physician himself and say, all right, where am I lacking? What do I need to build? How do I need to grow? Because you and I both know we become complacent by, we say this a lot, right? Comparing our best day to other people's worst day, and we think we're doing fine, right? We're not. We're not, or at least, at least I'm not, speaking of one convicted those who give their lives to Jesus have an obligation to respond to salvation. They have a responsibility to love God with all that you are, with all that we are, and to love others the way you love yourself. Again, you heard that from Brian. If you think you're a person of great value, which you are, by the way, being fearfully and wonderfully made, so much so that Jesus would die for you, that means that every person you come in contact with has the same value. Because Jesus died for them too. And we have an obligation to show them Jesus. Start small. Start small in obedience and humility. And then you begin to see what God's will is for you in your life. Not everyone accepts that gift. So you're going to run up against people that don't accept the hands and feet of Jesus. So what? So what? God convicts the heart, not you. At least you offered the fruit, didn't you? At least you offered the fruit. Your job is to continue to love that person. Don't tolerate sin in your life. Don't condone sin in the lives of others. But show them the love of Christ. The service you give to others is the fruit that God desires. You know, in chapter 8, he says this, speaking of fruit. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. A basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, this is bad fruit. This is ugly fruit. The time is ripe for my people. I will spare them no longer. Matter of fact, it's time for the harvest right now. When it's time for harvest, what kind of fruit are you going to have? 
Are you going to have good fruit or bad fruit? Are you going to live your whole life and have no fruit? Are you going to have no fruit? Are you going to stand before Christ, fall on your knees, and thank Him that He died for you and have no fruit? I'm not saying He's going to kick you out. He loves you and He died for you and He's forgiven you. What a horrible place to be. What a horrible thought. Start at home. Start with your kids. Start with your loved ones. Start with your spouse. You move your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. You even move to strangers. And yes, you can even show fruit to enemies. The love of Jesus. People say, I'm not sure I'm going to get it right. If you're showing love, how are you going to get it wrong? If you're trying to love people, how are you going to get it wrong? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be convicted for fruit today. Father, I want to show fruit. I want a result. I want a result of my life. I don't even know what that result's going to look like, but I want to be able to sign your name at the end of the day. I want a result for my life. I know I'm saved. I know I'm loved. I know we are loved, Father. But I want to turn around and look and frankly know that I was here by the fruit that people enjoy. Father, I know that not everybody's going to understand this, and, and much of this is going to fall on deaf ears. But, but for those who do, for those who truly grasp the necessity and the urgency of this, I ask that you will provide for them opportunity that you'll open up these moments that you talk about in your word to show people how great and wonderful Jesus is so that we might lay down our life every single day for the building of your kingdom, for the betterment of someone else so that we get to see this incredible fruit throughout life and throughout time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, and you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, and every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, where sin runs is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me where you are Lord I am free holiness 
comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God. If you want to produce fruit in your life, and if God cares about you, which He does, He's going to prune you, and that hurts. Getting pruned hurts, but it provides even more fruit and better fruit. By the way, speaking of fruit, what fruit do you produce well? Maybe it's five, maybe it's ten, maybe it's one. What, what fruit do you produce well? Start there. Start there. Make a whole heap of it. Make, a whole, make it so much we get tired of it and tell you to stop. What fruit do you produce well? Start there with fruit in your life. Fruits of the Spirit that you could share and provide with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ. Father, help us to take this seriously. Help us to... Well, without being prideful, Father, help us to, to leave a mark of us that we lived, that we were here, that we had a life, and that there is fruit to show for it. Father, help us to honor Christ with our time and our life. Help us to be these tenders of fruit trees and these gardeners, that we can all partake of it, that we can all be refreshed by it, that we can all be nourished by how we spend our time. In Jesus' name, amen.